0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Scots in Us. I'm Camilla Hellman and this week we're going to take a look forward at all the exciting things that are going to be coming up in Scotland, well a few of them at least, some highlights. I presented a panel at the Scottish North American Community Conference back in December when our event took place during the wonderful Scottish Christmas Walk. This has been going for 25 years started by the ASF and the Chicago Scots, and now joined in the organisation of it by COSCA, Cassock, Detroit St Andrews, and the Scottish Studies Guelph. And so without further ado, let's take a look at the ones that are upcoming. We have the Dunfermling Carnegie Trust, with their focus on to Pitt and Crease Park and the events there. We have the Fringe, of course, in August. What a celebration, so much we will talk about but you need to mark the dates now. We have the Perth Museum opening in April. Lots going on there, and we have a few moments with them. We have the National Library of Scotland, the v so many different things to tell you about. But let's begin with a look at Celtic Connections, which have just wrapped up 21 days of great music celebration, because that seems the place where we should begin. For 2,100 musicians from around the world, bring the city to life for 18 days. During that time, there are concerts, caleys, exhibitions, workshops and free events. If, you are one, if one thing makes the wintertime in Glasgow great, then it's Celtic connections, the Gardnerian noted. And then we turn to Dunfermline Carnegie and the Pitt and Creef project which is a really wonderful project that it reflects Andrew Carnegie and his legacy. And I caught up with their executive director, and we're just going to tell you a little bit about it, because trying to bring people up the east coast of Scotland is a wonderful idea, as we tell our uh, members and friends about what they're doing. So let's go to Dunfermline.
1: Andrew was born in a little cottage on the outskirts of Pitt and Creek estate. It was a private estate at that time. And his cottage, his family's cottage, um, was based just outside the gate. And Andrew used to peer through the the gates into this wonderful um estate and gaze in wonder. And it was it he really wanted that to be his playground. He thought it was such a beautiful place. Um, so he used to climb over the gates and then get chased out by the gamekeeper. Um, so he took great delight when he made his fortune in coming. Andrew was born in a little cottage on the outskirts of Pitt and Creek Estate. It was a private estate at that time, and his cottage, his family's cottage, um, was based just outside the gates. And Andrew used to peer through the the gates into this wonderful um, estate and gaze and wonder. And it was it, he really wanted that to be his playground. He thought it was such a beautiful place. Um, so he used to climb over the gates and then get chased out by the gamekeeper um, so he took great delight when he made his fortune in coming back to Dunfermline and actually buying that private estate and gifting it to the people of Dunfermline and Pitt Creef today is a, a public recreational park and that's what our project is doing just now at the heart of the park, there is um Pitt and Creef houses, the former Laird's house of the park, and it's a beautiful um 16th-century building. Um, it has a strong um historical link um in there. There's there's several families connected to that house who which all who also um went to America. So, for example, General. Uh, Forbes, um, who named Pittsburgh, he was was born and brought up in, in Pitt and Creef House, um, and there's strong connections because the park sits next to Dunfermline Abbey and Palace. Dunfermline used to be the ancient capital of Scotland. So there's strong royal connections, and there's also connections to um, Robert the Bruce, who was buried in the Abbey next to the park, and William Wallace, who um, also spent time in the park. So um, there's, there's several families um, involved in the house as well. And the house um, has been lying empty for a few years now, but it, it has got huge potential. Um, so what we're wanting to do is to, to reopen and repurpose the house as a visitor experience um, centre, which tells these wonderful stories of all the families and the history of this beautiful park. But also use the house for weddings and events um, and exhibitions. It's a lovely space to do that, um, and so that's what we're planning to do through this project.
0: So, talking of August, what can we we have to touch upon the Fringe, and so um, we'd like to share with you an update from the Fringe, um, which is back at full strength and doing so much again.
2: The Edinburgh Festival Fringe is one of the greatest celebrations of arts and culture on the planet. It's open to anyone with a story to tell and a venue to tell it in. Our vision is simple, to give anyone a stage and everyone a seat. Taking place since 1947, the Fringe attracts a vibrant array of artists and audiences from all over the globe. Surpassed only by the Olympics and the World Cup, in terms of global ticketed events. In 2023, the Edinburgh Festival Fringe issued 2.4 million tickets. More than 25,000 artists participate in the Fringe each year and more than 180 countries have been represented on stage during the festival's history. With over 3,500 shows in a typical Fringe programme, it would take longer than 20 weeks to see everything on offer. There's no single person or organisation that runs The Fringe. However, The Fringe Society was established by artists in 1958 to nurture and uphold The Fringe's values of inclusivity, experimentation and imagination, something the charity continues to do to this day. Our job is to ensure The Fringe remains a platform for freedom of creative expression that's open to all. We exist to support advise and encourage everyone that wants to participate. And, of course, we celebrate The Fringe and what it stands for all over the world. The Fringe spirit shines brighter than ever before, and we're delighted that year after year, the festival continues to captivate and inspire artists and audiences alike. As long as there are artists with a story to tell, we'll be here to help them tell it.
3: 2023 felt like an absolutely joyous return of the Ember Fringe. It's been really difficult, really challenging over the last few years. The impact that COVID has had on the whole creative sector has been really well documented. But I think the Fringe in particular, because Our artists are largely self-financing. The festival has had a history of its own circular economy um, over its first 76 years. So it's been really challenging. And then in 2023, after those challenging few years, to come back and feel positive and joyous and tonally the whole festival felt really different this year. 2024 and 2025, we're focused on recovery, but we're also focused on... Not only ensuring that the future of the Edinburgh Fringe is the biggest performing arts festival in the world but much more importantly it is the best experience that it can possibly be for artists, for audiences, for the media who come to cover the work and review the work and for the arts industry who come to look for that talent and look for the shows. So we've got our work cut out for us, we've got a very public facing um, vision and values that we launched with our president Phoebe Wallerbridge in 2022. Mm -hmm. It was just great to be celebrating the joy again this year and to know that we've got big challenges but we've got a reunited fringe community to really help through collaboration and collective approach we can make it happen. The Fringe has had a long and positive history with um, our friends and colleagues from the theatre and performing arts world in Ameritrum. David Schwimmer, Lynn manuel Miranda, Ruby Wax, indeed the brilliant Robin Williams. All of them have left their mark um, and equally The Fringe has, in Edinburgh has left its mark on, on those incredible artists.
0: The next highlight that I'd like to talk about is Perth Museum, and the Perth Museum is going to be the new home on long-term loan, as they put it, of the, uh, the Stone of Destiny, the Stone of Schoon. And so let's, without more ado, hear from them.
4: Hello. Uh, greetings to the Scottish North American Community Conference. I'm delighted to be on the other end of the line here to just say a few words to you about our up and coming new museum in Perth and in particular the uh, display of the Stone of Schoon or the Stone of Destiny, whichever you prefer. And the museum has been the subject of nearly 10 years of development. It's in a a historic building in the center of Perth, what was the former city hall, uh, which was built at the turn of the 19th century into the 20th. And uh, we are going to have on display there uh, huge amounts of archeology span and history spanning uh, the end of the Ice Age through to more recent times. And there'll be substantial amounts of archaeology uh, relating to the prehistoric past and also to the medieval past, particularly of the town or city of Perth. And then, uh, so there's lots of star elements in there, including elements of, of, of Pictish sculpture. The other big star element that we're really pleased to be hosting is uh, a loan of the Stone of school, which will have its own special uh, chamber in which it will be displayed and people will get two um, audio experiences, audio-visual experiences in an anti-chamber, they'll get an introduction to the story of the stone, uh, including some of its myths including the the uh, taking of the stone by Edward I, including the retaking of the stone by Scottish students in, in 1950, and including more recent coronations. Uh, and that will be told through, as I say, an audiovisual experience. And then people will, will be able to go into an inner chamber and see uh, the stone itself, the only exhibit in the room in its own case, uh, and and we'll try and evoke in that room a sense of what Alexander III's, coronation uh, not coronation uh, his inauguration was like in 1249. Uh, uh, the stone, uh, of course, will be will will be coming here on uh, long term loan. This will be uh, its home for the foreseeable future. The only circumstances uh, in which it will uh, levers for short durations is whenever there are coronations in the future when it will go back down uh, to Westminster to play its role in, in the coronation of uh, all future monarchs um, and uh, we open Easter uh, Easter Weekend in 2024 and people will be able to uh, book timed tickets it's free entry there is no charge for those tickets but you'll be able to book Time tickets uh, online, and and we'll supply the details of the of the link for that. And uh, uh, in the new year, and uh, there will be uh, big celebrations throughout the town uh, on the the day uh, that the new museum opens, uh, involving various uh, celebratory uh, community groups and events and things. It will be a, a massive. Uh, party, I guess, is one way to describe it. Thank you.
0: And so today I wanted to share with you news from the National Library of Scotland. They will celebrate their 100th anniversary in 2025. And they're going to come over during Tartan Week just to find out a little bit more, get involved in a few events, and, um, and start to plan... And think about what they can be doing to celebrate the be the 100th anniversary of the National Library. And it's not only books; it's also their library over in Glasgow, of all the um, films and and uh, and tapes and everything you can think of, any way of sending a message of any time. So you've got the Kelvin Grove side of things which is the moving image basically in newspapers and then you've got the books which are over in edinburgh and so um, let's start thinking and um, they they want to do a lot of things and would love i'd know to hear from different organizations and finally um i wanted to tell you and uh, share an update from the vna in dundee have been doing a wonderful exhibit, as many of us know, around Tartan. They are the design museum. They opened just six years ago. And so let's learn a little bit about what they are going to be doing um, this coming year.
5: Design is a really interesting thing because it's really the application of human creativity to solve a problem. But for me personally, and I think for v Dundee, it is those extraordinary, exquisite things that some of the most creative minds in the world have thought about. It's also our social history. It tells the stories of who we've been, who we are at the moment, and who we're going to be as a society. So design is about the stuff that we hold, we dress in, the places we live. What we gather around ourselves to create our own identities as people.
0: So what we come. Wow.
5: It's
3: incredible. Isn't it oh, this is great. You can, you
5: can see the whole it. city.
2: It's beautiful.
5: What a view. VA Dundee is Scotland's design museum. We're a young design museum. And that just means that we can be so ambitious and think really creatively about how we engage people with design through all that we do.
6: Right, uh, so uh, our robot's called Bebop. Uh, he's a robot to prevent like, loneliness and isolation in schools.
7: And the brain.
2: And he's got a brain. There
7: we go. That's
2: <laughs> The school's design challenge is a design project for S1 and S2 pupils, which was encouraging them to take a problem that they might face in their day-to-day lives and to use the design process to come up with a solution.
0: It's called the social
2: hive because it's a bit like hexagons to represent like a beehive. The point with this was to combat loneliness, so being able to play with other people and things that you like will bring people together. This was perhaps their first real experience of what a design museum is, but more importantly, it opened their eyes to what design can be.
7: The learning programme creates lots of entry points for people to explore design and to apply design to their own lives. We started to work with Kindred Clothing, who are part of a charity called Front Lounge in the Hilltown in Dundee, and that's a social empowerment project. Look how messy it is on the back, <laughs> but like, how cute it could be in there. Before like Kindred and like coming to the v for all the projects, I just didn't do anything. Like it was just a mum, like going to baby group, and that was it really. We got offered like loads of different fabrics to work with. We learnt all these different techniques, we're using threads and hand embroidery. Yeah, the teal as well would be nice. The confidence it's brought out in me is really amazing. A lot of community groups come in and they don't appreciate what they're really capable of. So being able to see them surprise themselves. To see their skills grow and their connection with each other grow is always really rewarding. Where I want to be is that we're an asset for the community and that people see us as an accessible partner and feel that they can come to us with an approach and that we will be a supportive team.
4: It's hard to, like, truly define what the Young People's Collective is. For me, it's a platform, a platform for young people to have their voices heard within the gallery, but also provide experiences and opportunities you wouldn't otherwise have had. We helped co-design the opening ceremony for the museum, being asked for opinions, given suggestions, and they felt that they were all taken very seriously. Through all that, I now find myself on the board for VA Dundee. It feels very much we're all in it together, we're all trying to figure out what we want and we're all working together towards a goal. Everybody round applause, thank you! I realise that that is an important step and a really powerful thing to have, you know, you want a young person's
2: voice, get them in the room when decisions are being made and having their voices literally heard. There is a lot of opportunity related to the museum, which were not there in the past. And for the people that are getting graduated now, I think it's such a comforting thing for them because if we want to change mentality, we have to educate people. And I think it's been great to have this place somewhere to grow.
5: I've never worked in an organization with such a sense of the difference it can make, such a sense of energy, that it can be world-class and deeply local at the same time. I can see the change that we make every day, I can see the way that audiences react when they come in, but also the way that we work in alliance with the city's wider aims. It's just amazing to be part of a young organisation that's utterly committed to the potential and joy that design is.
7: helped expand a part of my creative mind creating stuff like this can help with dreams i pursue
0: this spring they will open an exhibit on kimonos that will be opening i believe at the end of january beginning of february and it's just the most wonderful place to go and finally One of our dear friends and close uh, partners is Peter Wilson of Scottish Heritage USA. And Peter is going to now share with us some thoughts that he wants us to all think about, about the Tartan Museum that is here in the United States that he sees as a hidden gem. And so now I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Wilson who's president of Great Scott International and also Scottish Heritage USA. So Peter, as you join us today at the conclusion of the Scottish North American Community Conference, could you tell us about something you chatted with me about at Grandfather Mountain that I think is very, very exciting. And that is what you are planning and trying to do around tartans and a tartan museum.
6: Okay, well, first of all, um, uh, Scottish Heritage USA um, have supported the museum, which is based in uh, Franklin, North Carolina, which is up there in the Appalachian Mountains, and we've supported them financially for some of their display cases and maintenance of their facilities there, and they really have an outstanding collection um, uh, of uh, Scottish artefacts from Kilts to uniforms to weaponry and and so on. And the, the gentleman, the curator, a fellow called um, Williamson, has done a fantastic job at really making it just a, a just a wonderful place to visit. The problem is that Franklin's not exactly on the beaten track. <laughs> it's it's about forty miles um, uh, south of of Asheville, North Carolina which perhaps doesn't sound too far, but it is off the beaten track. Um, It is our understanding that only half of the exhibits are on display at any one time, simply because lack of space. Um, We, of course, would like to have um, suggested that the the museum be relocated to uh, a more accessible location, but that's not really... That may happen one day, but not right now. But in the meantime, with the exhibits that are in storage, it may be possible to have a a, a, a traveling exhibition. Um, so we've just got to find uh, locations where that could happen. And uh, and at the moment, it, it's very much in its infancy. But the idea has been sown. And, and I think... Um, the 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 uh, the people who run the museum are relatively warm to the idea, so um, that's where we're at at the moment. But you know, Scottish Heritage USA, um, you know, we we're we're a separate organisation, but um, we've supported the museum because we think it's very important from the point of view of heritage.
0: Well, I think if we can, so this is wonderful news and and a wonderful project to look forward to and if we as members and and our other people who are joining us today have ideas and thoughts of how they might be able to help um with this whole project can they re- they should reach out to you directly
6: they, they, they certainly can yep they can do um, i have a an email address which is uh, president at scottish heritage usa.org um, so I can use that email address by all means.
0: Well, I think the idea of being able to think of locations where this view, where the exhibit might happen and then to work out how to do it in an economic great way and have it travel. Um, I think that there, I think the uh, SNAC committee um, will be interested to chat about that and see how we can help. And you're closely aligned with us on that,
6: right? And,
0: um, see how we can take all this forward. Um, but fantastic! It's lovely to hear this news. Thank you. You're
6: most welcome. I just, you know, we hope hope it might happen, but uh, we we can't force the issue. We need to get uh, the folks there on our side. I mean, Franklin's a it's a pretty little town up there in the North Carolina mountains, and. Uh, how, how,
0: um, and because they're called the Tartan Museum, how, how representative do you feel? And you're very involved in weaving and the textiles. You're part of the Tartan authority. How important a collection do you see this as?
6: Well, I, I think it's a jewel. It really is a jewel here in the United States. I mean, um, in, in, in Scotland, um, there is no such museum. Now, there is an exhibition going on at the V&A in Dundee, which is proving to be extremely successful, um, Dundee being, uh, you know, associated with textiles. Um, but, you know, there's a whole collection of Scottish um, artefacts that are also in storage over there in Scotland that, that the Tartan Authority owns. And um, but you know right now they they too can't find a location of where it could be uh, put on display. There are some exhibits at the National Museum in Edinburgh, but, um, but be- talking America, talking yeah. the US, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: the what the museum of the Tartar Museum sitting in Franklin yeah. is to your mind and, um a jewel,
5: That's and true. therefore
0: I think we need to buff the jewel and see what we can do
6: to help.
0: Right. Uh, there you go. Yep. Yep. Thank you so much, Peter. And now thank we you. all have a challenge.
6: Okay, thank you thank very you. much, Camilla. To yes, indeed.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. It's been great to have you here. I hope you've learned a little bit of the things that are upcoming in Scotland. Join us the first and third Monday of the month for the Scots in Us, and the third Sunday of the month for Sounds from Scotland. We love sharing our love of Scotland with you. And if you have ideas or thoughts, please write to us at americanscottishfoundation at gmail.com. Until next time.